Hi, I'm Ray with another podcast episode. Just before we go into this episode, it's about cooking. Um, the Ray's Naughty Rants. It occurred to me that people don't want to email me for the link and all that palaver. So what I've done, if you go to the Facebook page, go to Facebook, just type in the search box, Ray's Rants. Up will come the Ray's Rants Facebook page and I'm going to put the links there. It'll just say link to episode one or whatever. That's all you need to know. I just thought that would be far easier for everyone, including me. I won't have to keep answering emails. Just go to Facebook, Raise Rants, and I will list the links there as each episode comes out. Right, now on to this week's episode. Cooking. Now, can you cook? I can't cook. A friend of mine, years ago, he used to get the evening meal ready for his wife when she got in from work. He finished work. I think he worked part-time, actually. So he was in in the afternoon and he did all the the cooking but that's what he told me i popped round one afternoon i had uh, something to drop off to him and he said oh come in i'm just uh, just cooking come through to the kitchen and the the gas hob wasn't in use and he laid the table in the dining room his wife was due home in about half an hour and i said uh, you know what are you cooking he said i was in the microwave he was warming up something or other i don't know what it was a curry or some sort of stew, or I can't remember what it was. And I said, what are you sort of cooking? What are you having, potatoes with it? And Oh, no, no, he said, uh, rice. And he had a packet of rice that you <laughs> you put in the microwave. And uh, I, I said, oh, right, OK. I said, well, that's only a quick, easy meal. Saves you actually cooking. You know, what else do you do? And he just said, he uh, said, well, every day I, I just bung something in the microwave. Now, is that cooking? I don't call that cooking. I call it warming up things. What we do, my wife and I, what we do, we'll make a load of curry, a huge pot of curry. <laughs> really nice, loads of stuff in there, sultanas, bits of celery, bits of apple, you name it, we chuck it in the curry pot. When it's cooled down, we put it all into plastic tubs and bung it in the freezer. Then all we have to do whenever we fancy a curry is take one of these tubs or two of these tubs out of the freezer warm it up either in a saucepan or the microwave, you know, ping it, as they say, and we've got a lovely meal. Nothing wrong with that. Now, sometimes my wife has said, oh, I feel a bit guilty I haven't cooked a proper dinner today. And I said, well, warming up the curry, you cooked the curry in the first place. You know, we both did it. Well, I say we both did it. I used to do a lot of the preparation, you know, getting the carrots done and peeling apples and whatever else I did. But to be honest, it was a lot quicker for for <laughs> to make the curry if i got out of the way if i get out of the kitchen out of the way and let my wife get on with it it was a lot easier for her and a lot quicker but i mean i still help sometimes but i mean that is cooking isn't it initially and after that it's warming up we often do that even though there's just the two of us here now kids have left home we'll cook a load of something i mean why why cook just enough for one meal when you want to use a huge pot, we use a jam pot, you know, a jam making pot, massive great thing, and we just fill it with stuff and cook it and then freeze it. So, I mean, our freezer's packed, so we can have a decent meal on the table within kind of five or ten minutes. I don't like food. Well, no, that's not true. I don't like eating. No, that's not true either. Some people live to eat. I eat to live. I'm always starved. Are you always starved? My wife reckons I've got worms. <laughs> I don't think I have. 
but I am. I'm always starving. And I, I will eat uh, the evening meal, for example, because I'm hungry. I don't want the trimmings. I don't want all the paraphernalia, bits and pieces of finger dips and, I don't know, other bits and pieces or whatever they are. I want the main meal. I want to pig that, get it done, <laughs> eat that, meal over, good. Now let's go and get on with something else. Whereas other people I know, it's a big thing. Oh, evening meal, right, you know, lay the table nicely and we've got this and we've got that. I can't be bothered with all that. In the summer, we have mainly salads. I do like salad. We have mainly salads. We used to have barbecues. I built a, a brick barbecue, you know, a big one in the garden, a big brick barbecue with a stainless steel griddle or whatever it's called on top. I built a massive one because we've got a big family and some weekends we'd have 25 people or more and I'd spend like a couple of hours standing at the barbecue. You've got the heat of the sun, red hot summer day, heat of the sun, I'd wear a hat, but you're standing by the barbecue, the heat from the barbecue, I tell you what, it wasn't much fun to be honest, in the end we stopped it because I was just standing there, as I say, I'd be a couple of hours mucking about more food, any more burgers, yeah, hang on, any more sausages, oh yeah, right, hang on, we go and get more sausages out of the freezer, and it was just such a palaver. In the end, I, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. All the family still came round, but what we would do is stuff, do it on the cooker in the kitchen, do all the, the sausages, the burgers, chuck them all on a plate, say, well, there you go, help yourself, there's the bread rolls, do your own thing. There's all the salad stuff. Because it did get so hot standing by that barbecue. We used, I always used uh, charcoal. Not, you know, these briquette things you get from local places. They're awful, these briquettes. They're awful. You want proper charcoal. I know it costs more, but it lasts a lot longer. And uh, it's a, a far, you've got to be careful. There's far more heat from the charcoal. The briquettes... They've got those out. We've got a coal fire, you know, an open fire in the dining room. And I think it's from 1st of January this year, we've not been allowed to burn proper coal. We have to have synthetic coal. And I've got some, and it's not the same. Honestly, it's not the same. It's, it burns, you know, it's all right. It, it doesn't give out as much heat. It's more like glowing embers, whereas the coal, it would flame. and It would flare up every now and then, a pocket of gas in a lump of coal. It would go, and there's a flame shooting out the side. It looked really good, proper fire. But I don't think we're allowed to use that now from this year. Um, someone said, oh, you can use smokeless. Well, we did use smokeless coal anyway. But now I think we can't use any. And wood, if we've got wood burner. Well, we haven't. We don't have a wood burner. Well, we have in the dining room. No, we don't. It's in the lounge. But it's not connected. We need the flue up the chimney and all that stuff. But they're now saying wood, it must be dry, bone dry wood. Absolutely bone dry. You're not allowed to burn um you're not allowed to burn wet wood. Why do they call it bone dry? Bones dry, do you think? I do like an open fire. I used to like bonfires. People don't have bonfires in the garden anymore, do they? In the old days everyone had a bonfire. You know, back in the fifties and sixties, everyone had a bonfire. It's great. You could chuck stuff on it, old bits of furniture. <laughs> sweep up leaves or whatever, anything you didn't want, chuck it on the bonfire. Well, not rubber tyres, car tyres. They stink. But you get the bonfire going, wrap some potatoes in some bako foil, 
chuck those in the embers and you've got you know baked potatoes oh wonderful on the bonfire charcoal grilled <laughs> ash grilled you know they you got the taste even though they're wrapped in the foil you somehow had the bit of a the taste of the bonfire which was really good but as i say people don't have bonfires anymore and if anyone does everyone say oh ooh, ooh, look he's got a bonfire oh that's that's not very sociable that's not very neighborly <laughs> But they were great fun in the old days, bonfires. I've been trying to think for the last couple of days, when did barbecues appear in the UK? Um, I mean, sort of en masse, you know, when did everyone start having a barbecue? I don't remember them in the 50s or the 60s. I don't think people had barbecues in the 70s. I can't remember the first barbecue I ever went to. I mean, obviously there was a first one, but I... I can't remember. I went to California in 1975 and the people I was staying with there, the chap, he opened up his huge double garage door and he said, look, there's a barbie. We'll wheel that out later. He had this huge barbecue. So they were having barbies in America in 75. Well, Australia. I mean, you've got the weather, haven't you? That's the point. You've got the weather out there. I mean, here in the UK, you say to people, right, all come round Saturday or Sunday. We're having a barbecue. It's pouring with rain. That's the end of that. <laughs> so I suppose, you know, in, our, in countries like the, the US and Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, you've got all these hot summer days guaranteed, whereas here you just can't plan anything in the summer. So I don't know when Barbies first came to the UK. People still would eat out in the garden in the summer, but it was more of a picnic. You know, you'd have sandwiches and a cup of tea, cucumber sandwiches on the terrace, don't you know? Well, we didn't. Know. I had jam sandwiches, my favourite. Jam sandwiches, brown bread, perfect. Especially if it's homemade jam, black currant jam. See, I do like food, really. I lied earlier. I do like food. I'd rather have our own barbecues than go to other people's because going to other people's, you've got to drive there. Well, invariably, you've got to drive there. And if you're driving there, you can't have any beers. So, <laughs> so I, I like our barbecues at home. Then you can have your beers and people come and go. They do what they like and it, I can do what I like. I don't have to go out, which is rather nice. Talking of South Africa, we've got a African leopard tortoise and he doesn't hibernate. Well, he wouldn't do. I mean, it's not cold in South Africa. This is the thing I was saying about the weather. You know, you just, you don't, do you get winter? No, you don't have winter really in South Africa. Do you? On the, he comes from the, you know, the savannas. I'd like to go and have a look there. It must be amazing. The wildlife there must be amazing. So our tortoise, he has to be kept warm all year round. You know, we have to kind of somehow emulate South African weather, which isn't easy. But we've got a, he's got a big heat lamp. He's got all the gear, so he's all right. But he doesn't hibernate. We've got another tortoise, a little Hermans. Now he comes from the Mediterranean area and he does hibernate because, well, as you know, you can get snow in uh, Spain, Cyprus, Portugal, you, know, you can actually get snow out there. So if the temperature drops down, you know, he will hibernate. He's asleep at the moment. Well, hibernating at the moment. I went to Brighton the other day. I'll tell you the connection with food and cooking in a minute. I went there to have my jab, you know, the, the virus jab thing, the vaccine. I went over there to have that. It's only, what, 10 miles away from where I am, Brighton. Went over early morning, had to be there at nine. Honestly, Brighton is a city. And it was quiet. The roads are empty. There's hardly any people about. It's uncanny. Brighton, 
used to be packed, the traffic, you know, you think, oh, I've got to drive to Brighton, allow plenty of time. I only allowed about uh, half an hour or something, not even that, 20 minutes. We just drove straight there, went with my wife, we just drove straight there. Free parking, went to the Brighton Centre, free parking for people that are going to get the jab, so that was handy. Hardly anyone about, really well organised, very well organised. But the Brighton Centre, it used to be the top rank suite in the 60s and 70s. I used to go over there with a few lads and it was great. It was like a disco and they had you know, a bar, obviously, and there's lots of girls there. It was fantastic. I'll, I'll tell you about the, the connection with food and, and that in a minute. <laughs> You're probably thinking, what's this got to do with cooking? And what would happen is we're over there. Actually, I went into the same room where they were doing the, the jabs, the injections. It was in the huge sort of hall type place where the, you know, the dancing and everything went on and where the DJ was in the bar. And I said to the nurse, she said, well, have you come far? I said, I told her where I'd come from. I said, the last time I was in here in the Brighton suite was back in the 70s. And she was a young nurse. She said, what was it like then? I said, it was uh, the top rank suite. I said, it was great. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was in my teens, early 20s. Used to come over here, meet girls, have a few drinks. And she was quite interested in that, actually. I'm sure she fancied me. Because she said, yeah, can I have your phone number? I'd like to see you again. I said, oh, come on, behave. I said, come on, you're the nurse. You're supposed to be giving me the jab, not trying to get off with me. <laughs> Actually, that didn't happen, really. Well, you know that, in my dreams. But I'd go over there, meet a girl, if I was lucky, meet a girl. And it was on the seafront. Well, it still is. The building obviously still is. It hasn't moved. And meet a girl. And we'd go out. You know, we'd say, oh, let's go and get something to eat. Plenty of fish and chip shops and places like that all along the seafront. Go and get fish and chips and then sit on the beach. Summer evening, of course, not the winter. Good grief, it's been so cold you wouldn't want to sit anywhere outside. We'd sit on the beach, have our fish and chips and then do other things. Right, moving on swiftly, as the actress said to the bishop. Who is this actress that said, who is this bishop? That's an old saying, isn't it? As the actress said to the bishop, I don't know. The relation between you know, the top-ranked suite and food is the fish and chips. All along the seafront at Brighton, you could buy burger and chips, fish and chips. There's all sorts of stuff like that going on. Loads of food available. And it was very good. I mean, some of the best fish and chips in the land you know, on Brighton's seafront probably still is. Well, they're all closed now. But it was such a shame when I went the other day to see everywhere just dead. It's like a ghost town. It's, it was uncanny. Such a shame because it was such a... Well, it will be again one day, won't it? A vibrant city with everything going on. It just... I know. Of course, also, it's the middle, middle of winter, isn't it? But it's the COVID thing, isn't it? It's the lockdown. What I did see quite a lot of, police cars roaming around. And I thought, oh, come on, come and stop us. Come on, come and stop us because I have my paperwork. I'm going for a jab, see? <laughs> right, just made myself a nice cup of coffee. So the police didn't stop us anyway. I have heard a van driver told me that the cops are stopping vans because what they do, you've got the van driver in the front, you think, oh, look, he's on his own. But he's got his whole family <laughs> in the back of the van and they're all off out somewhere, down the beach or up the woods for a walk. So apparently the police are stopping vans. Um, I don't know how true that is, but, well, this chap's a van driver. He says it's true. I suppose he knows Talking of coffee, I am fussy. Everyone says I'm fussy. My wife says I'm fussy with food. 
and even coffee. I mean, you go into a place, uh, coffee, please. But do you want latte, skinny latte, American Meccano? What what is it? I can't. I don't know. I just want a cup of coffee. In the old days, you'd go into a cafe, you know, greasy Lills or the greasy spoon. Coffee, please. Yeah, one coffee, mate. There you go. <laughs> and it's a proper cup of coffee. You know, Nescafe, out of a tin or out of a jar, spoon that in, hot water and a dash of milk. There's your coffee. Perfect. That's what I've got now. I've just made this. That's what I've got. Hang on. Ah, lovely. Instant coffee. I can't do all this. What, I mean, what is a skinny latte? Is it latte, latte? What is a, is there a fat latte? I don't know. I don't like any <laughs> latte. And also, I like a mug or a cup. I don't want a soup bowl. If I want soup, I'll say, could I have some soup, please? I don't want coffee in a soup bowl with a silly little ring thing on the side, which is the handle. I mean, you can't, I don't know, I can't cope with it all. I, <laughs> it's not that I'm fussy. Well, I am fussy, aren't I? I just want a cup of coffee. When, when we go into anywhere together, my wife will say, Look, I'll get the coffees. And she'll say to the chap, uh, right, one, whatever she wants, you know, skinny, fat latte or whatever it is. And... Can I just have, what is it she asked for? Uh, an Americano or something with just a splash of cold milk. It must be cold milk. I don't, oh, hot milk is disgusting. Splash of cold milk <laughs> in. And she'll say, have you got a mug in a mug? And sometimes they'll look at her and, oh, a mug? What? Yeah, we've got a mug somewhere. Hang on. And they'll go and find a mug. Because <laughs> I don't want soup bowls. I don't want coffee in a soup bowl. Do you think I'm abnormal? My sister-in-law says I'm abnormal. She's a nurse. I ask her to examine me sometimes if I've got a bad leg. I'll say, can you have a look at my leg? And she says, no. I mean, what sort of nurse is that? I'll say, look, I, I, my trouble's come back. Can you have a quick look at my trouble, my problem? <laughs> and she says, certainly not. <laughs> she finds it funny. I find it funny, but she won't examine me. Nurses used to be great fun in the old days, didn't they? Do you remember nurses back in the 60s? Stone the crows. I mean, they were awful. <laughs> Well, in a good way, you know, they were dreadful. I think I've told you before about the nurses' parties I used to go to at a, a local hospital. Well, it wasn't that local, but it was worth travelling over there. Good grief, they were... <laughs> they were... I don't know what they are. I'm trying to think of a word that I can use without offending any nurses that might be listening. They were rampant, <laughs> to say the least. I suppose they liked sort of looking at men's bodies and groping around men's bodies because... That, you know, they were in the trade, weren't they? Basically, they were in the trade. My sister-in-law's in the trade, but she won't grope my body. <laughs> uh, dear. I sometimes look up things. I'll look up, you know, online, some medical condition, um, naughty parts and things. And I'll say to her, I think I've got so-and-so, whatever it is I've discovered online. Can you have a look? <laughs> and you can't shock her. My sister-in-law doesn't shock. She was 15 years in A&E. And she said, Look, I've seen everything, I've heard everything, right? Whatever you say, you can't shock me. And she's right. I've come out with some dreadful things. <laughs> well, not come out, well, you know what I mean, verbally. I don't get things out. I've come out with some awful things, thinking this will shock her. And it doesn't. Her eyes just go to the ceiling and <laughs> that's it. It just all washes off her back, you know. But so I suppose yeah, she's a hardened nurse. She's been hardened over the years. I wandered off there, didn't I, about nurses. <laughs> anyway, going back to cooking and food. In the 60s and 70s, so that we decided, haven't we, that there weren't barbecues then, but people had dinner parties. Do you remember the dinner parties? Do you remember the 
I think this is probably in the UK only, the Echo Hostess. Do you remember that? It was like a, a wheel-in trolley thing that you plugged in and it had hot plates and whatever it was. So you put the food in this and you wheel it up to by the table and it's all kept warm in these kind of stainless steel things. So you've got the, you know, the vegetables and the, the meat and the bits and pieces. The Echo Hostess, made by Echo. I've only known a couple of people have those and I think they've only used them sort of once or twice. And then, oh, I can't be bothered with that. It's too much palaver. The best thing, surely, is to bring the food out, put it on the table. Do you remember those things? You get little night lights, little candles, and you plonk those in the middle of the table. And then you'd have a thing. I, I don't know the names because I'm not interested in food. Not a futon. That's a sofa, isn't it? A futon. Whatever it is, something like a futon, but it wasn't a sofa. And you put the food in that. And these candles are meant to keep it warm, will it? I mean, how can a candle keep it warm? But people did have these dinner parties. I went to one or two back in the 70s, and to be honest, they're boring. You'd sit there. Oh, I remember, <laughs> remember one time we had sweet corn. Now, there are very few vegetables and salad-type things I don't like, but sweet corn, I don't, corn on the cob, you know, and it was on the cob. I sort of picked up a knife and fork. It was put on my plate. Picked up a knife and fork, and I'm thinking, how, how do I eat this? Well, I watch other people see what they do. And you've got these two little forks that you stick in each end and kind of eat the corn off the cob. I can't cope with all that. You know, when you're starved, you can't muck about with all that palaver. I went to a friend of mine's house for a meal and we had, was it trout or something, rainbow trout? And his wife put this whole fish on my plate. And I'm looking, it's got an eye looking at it. I'm thinking, what's this? Like, I can't eat a whole, oh, it's disgusting. So I sort of watched other people. Again, I didn't know, what, what do you do? Do you cut the head off? Or do you eat the head? I don't know. I hadn't got a clue. So I watched other people. I kind of followed their, whatever they did, I did it. But I didn't like it. I did sort of eat some of it. But I couldn't get rid of it. I didn't want it. So what could I do with it? It's not like when I was at school, you know, I could chuck it, <laughs> chuck it somewhere in my pocket and then stick it somewhere when I'm out in the playground. Because I didn't have a pocket. And I didn't have any paper. Because I did at school school meals you know I took some tissue paper or no in those days grease proof paper it would have been wrap all the filth in that put it in my blazer pocket then dispose of it in the playground later on I think I was spoilt with food when I was young because my mother was an excellent cook back in the 50s you know mums didn't go to work did they 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 stayed at home they did the baking and they made pies and cakes and all this stuff and I was spoiled because the food was absolutely brilliant at home when I was a child. Because then I went to school and I'm thinking, you know, what is this muck? What's this filth? I'm not eating this. It really it put me off. And it was so nice later on. I mean, my wife now is a brilliant cook. She really is. It was so nice when we got married because I'm back to proper food again. None of this muck. <laughs> I used to get to school about half eight in the morning. And we'd walk, all the kids, we'd walk past the kitchens around the side of the, the school building, walk past the kitchens, and they had the windows open, and you could smell it, they, and you could hear it. They were boiling the vegetables at half eight in the morning. And I reckon, we used to have dinner about, what, 12 o'clock, I suppose. The stuff had been boiling all morning. It was disgusting. The cabbage, I don't know whether it started off green or whether it was that white cabbage in the first place, but there was no colour. And there was no taste. 
well, you, I mean, anything you boil for several hours is going to be just slush, isn't it? The carrots were slush. Everything was slush. And then they dumped some filthy piece of meat on the plate. I mean, you didn't know what that was. I had no idea what it was. And it really was disgusting. So that's what put me off the whole thing. I used to meet this girl over at a club um, only a few miles from, I forget what the, was it? Oh, the Key Club. That was right, the Key Club. And I used to go there and I'd meet this girl and uh, we got on quite well. And after, I don't know, a week or so, we'd been going out. Uh, whenever we went to the Key Club, afterwards she'd say, oh, come back to my house. We'd go back there, her mum would still be up and we'd have cheese on toast. And her mum would do this cheese on toast. It was absolutely amazing. And of course, it was about midnight, you know, it was midnight or even later. And her mum would wait up for her. <laughs> and of course, I'd go back as well. And we'd have this wonderful cheese on toast. And after quite a few beers in the club, it was nice. It was nice. I don't know how she did it. What's it called? Well, is it Welsh rarebit or something? Well, now why do they call cheese on toast Welsh rarebit? I used to think it was rabbit. But it's not actually rabbit, is it? It's cheese. Well, we've got rabbits. They've not liked the cold, but they've got a brick-built hutch and it's 14 feet long. And they've got, listen to this, underfloor heating. How about that? In one section, I've put in underfloor heating. I built it all. I built all the hutch and everything. And we thought, well, what about the winter? So how about that? Underfloor heating in there. We call it their mansion, not their hutch. And they've got a huge outside run. So they're not, I don't think they should sell these little wooden hutches. In fact, I saw something the other day online, was it Facebook or Twitter or both, saying, be warned, rabbits freeze to death in hutches. Well, ours won't, not with their underfloor heating. So it's not Welsh rabbit, is it? It's rare bit. I must look that up, rare bit. But cheese on toast is brilliant for breakfast, lunch, uh, afternoon tea. Eleven. Do you remember elevenses? Whenever, as a child, I went to my grandma's, We'd have elevenses at 11 o'clock, of course. And it was just, I don't know, a little sarni or something like that. That was rather nice. And then we had high tea. I mean, all this, <laughs> all this obsession with food in the old days. We'd have high tea. That would be the cucumber sandwiches on the terrace, don't you know? <laughs> well, not on the terrace, in the garden, in a deck chair. Yeah, we'd have that, cucumber sandwiches or whatever it was. And then you have the evening meal, which some people call supper. Or did you have the evening meal and then supper? I don't, all this food. Honestly, all this food. I heard on the news the other day, there's a new tablet, a new pill that people can take and it takes away the, the feeling of being hungry. I could do with that because I'm always starved. But they were saying for obese people or just even overweight people that are trying to lose weight, it is hard. Definitely it is hard. I'm trying to lose, what well, I want to lose three stone. And I, I did, I did it once, but it's crept back up again. So it's not only losing the weight, it's keeping the weight off, isn't it? But this pill, they reckon it does away with this feeling of being starved all the time. Obviously you still get hungry and you still eat, but nothing like perhaps you would. I mean, it's snacking, isn't it? This is why we don't have in the house, we don't have biscuits, cake, crisps, because if they're there, I think, oh, a bit peckish. Oh, a packet of crisps. Oh, I'll have a biscuit. The trouble is, are you like this? Are you like, I wonder whether you're like me. I can't have a biscuit or two. I have to have half the packet. 
<laughs> I don't know why that is. Other people will say, oh, no, I won't have a biscuit. Oh, oh, I'll just have a biscuit with my coffee. Thank you. I can't have no biscuits or a biscuit. Would you like a biscuit? Oh, yeah, I'll have that packet there, please. The whole lot. I'm just looking at the time. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I had a lovely breakfast this morning. I've had a couple of cups of coffee. And yet I'm hungry. Now, I'm, why am I hungry at 11 o'clock in the morning? It's not lunchtime. Lunch is normally 12, between 12 and 1, we'll have our lunch. So why am I now starving at 11 o'clock in the morning? I could blame it on my childhood. 11's is, 11 o'clock is 11's is time. No, it's not my childhood, but this is why we haven't got snacks. I can't go now and get a biscuit or crisps or a lump of homemade Dundee cake. Oh, that's my favourite, homemade, and my wife does them perfectly, homemade Dundee cake. I had a slice the other day on Sunday. We try and save anything like that for a Sunday. What we do, or what she does, put it in the freezer. Anything <laughs> at Christmas, she made, what was it, 40 or 50 mince pies, homemade mince pies. And what she does is leave perhaps four out. Okay, so we have a couple of a couple each you know, with our evening drink or whatever. And all the rest are in the freezer. So the idea is, well, apart from obviously keeping them, storing them, the idea is that I can't just keep going to a tin and eating mince pies. And it does work. If there's not food in the house, then, well, I can't eat it, can I? I've got an email here from Eddie. Hello, Eddie. You don't say where you are. UK, by the look of your email address. Eddie says that him and his wife, they don't cook anything. They have takeaways. You can't do that, Eddie. You can't live on takeaways. Well, he does. <laughs> he lives on takeaways. He says these days, takeaways are so good. They're delivered within half an hour. They're really good. They're nutritious. He said, yeah, you're right, Eddie. They are. I mean, they used to be awful. Used to be full of all sort of dreadful, you know, things, fattening things and millions of calories and colouring stuff. But now you are right, Eddie. I mean, we don't, we have the odd takeaway. Chinese, I don't mind. How many do we have a year? You know, I don't think we have one a month. We probably have a takeaway every two or three months. That's all. Because I mean, the thing is, my wife, cooking is a hobby of hers. She loves it. Why get takeaways when she loves being in the kitchen cooking? But yeah, we do have the odd Chinese. I like those little roll things. What are they? I don't know what they're called. I don't know any of these names, but they're, they're really nice. Little sort of vegetable rolls or whatever they are. They're nice. Yeah, but Eddie says they don't have an evening meal. They do lunch and breakfast, but every evening meal is delivered. OK, well, so I suppose that's fine, Eddie, you know, uh, if you can afford it. Because uh, it must add up. Surely it must add up a bit, having a takeaway meal every day. But there we are. We're all different. So thanks for that, Eddie. We make our own bread. You know, one of these bread machines, a bread-making thing. And it's brilliant because you know what's in it. Because you're meant to put sugar in. Well, we do put sugar in but not so much, so you know exactly what's in the bread. Because, you know, I don't know what, what they put in bread. Is it preservatives and stuff? Mind you, we don't, <laughs> we don't need preservatives in anything we make, because I'll eat it within five minutes. <laughs> no, not I don't eat. Actually, the bread, yeah, I do eat that. Bread is the fattening thing, isn't it? That's what puts on the weight, the calories. And cereals, apparently. Is it cereals as well? Oh, oh dear, all this food. Talking about food, now, of course, I'm starved. White bread used to have bleach in it. Can you imagine? You're eating bleach. I suppose they put bleach in to make it white. But I mean, what an odd thing to do. I remember my grandmother, there was a mark on the wallpaper. I'd marked the wallpaper in my bedroom. 
She said, well, go and get me a piece of white bread. So I did from the kitchen. I said, well, what are you doing with that? She rolled it up into a ball, <laughs> slice of white bread, and rubbed the wallpaper with it, and the mark disappeared. And I was amazed. I said, how do you do that? She said, well, it's the bleach in the bread. And, you know, this is the thing with childhood, isn't it? Childhood experiences. From that day on, I didn't want white bread. I'm not having white bread. You've got bleach. You use bleach to clean the toilet. I'd order it in my, in my sandwiches. I went out with another girl. She lived in Upper Beading. Now, that's quite a bit north of where I am, up in the sticks. And there was only sort of one pub, a local pub. And what we used to do, we'd go to this pub, we'd spend the evening there, walk back to her house, which was only a few hundred yards up the road, and her mum would do us beans on toast. Beans on toast with brown sauce. That's another favourite of mine. And her mum was brilliant at that. And she said to me, beans boiled are beans spoiled. How about that? I have heard people say coffee boiled is coffee spoiled. But beans, if anyone's doing you beans, or if you're doing beans in the saucepan, if they're all bubbling away, your people leave them. They're boiling and boiling. It's all bubbling and fizzing away. That ruins the beans because beans are already cooked, aren't they? They only want warming up. You see, I, I said I could cook. I'm a good cook, actually. I'm not. I can do roast potatoes. I'll tell you about roast potatoes in a minute. But beans boiled are definitely beans spoiled. It just ruins them. Same with coffee. Coffee made with boiling water. No, no, no. You mustn't do that. Instant coffee with hot water. Perfect. Talking of baked beans, next time you have a salad, cheese salad, egg salad, ham salad, whatever, get a tin of beans, cold beans out of the tin, a big spoonful of cold beans put that on your salad beans with salad cream or mayonnaise wonderful cold beans on your salad because the salad's all cold anyway isn't it absolutely brilliant i really love cold baked beans on my salad with beetroot and salad cream i'm getting really hungry now talking about all this food roast potatoes i can do roast potatoes i haven't done them goodness me for 30 odd years roast potatoes Parboil them. I don't know why they're called parboil. Why not part boiled or boiled a little bit? Anyway, some stupid term. Parboil the things, then put them in the baking tray in the oven with your you know your oil and stuff. Spoon the oil over them, okay, bung them in the oven and let them cook. But every now and then open the oven door and spoon more oil over them, splash it all over. Not I mean. <laughs> that was brute, wasn't it? Well that used to stink. I didn't like brute. And that's the way to do baked potatoes or roast potatoes. They're not actually roast. You know, people say, oh, we had a roast dinner. If you roast a chicken, that is in front of an open fire, like on the spit, you know, or over a fire. Putting it in the oven, that doesn't roast things. It's not a roaster, is it? You know, I don't know why people say we had roast, you know, oh, Sunday roast. It's not roast at all. But that's the way to do roast potatoes, so-called roast potatoes. Parboil them first. My grandfather, back in the 1950s, was a vegan, you know, a real proper vegan. Not just food, but no leather shoes, no leather jacket, no leather belt, everything was plastic. All his food was completely vegan, dairy-free, everything. And you know, back then, people thought he was a nutcase. They did, they thought he was balmy. People used to laugh at him in the village where he lived. He'd cycle around on his bike, <laughs> telling people to be vegans. And they just thought he was balmy. He was way before his time. I mean, these days, you've got vegan-type restaurants and cafes, haven't you? 
But back then, when he was uh, a vegan, and he was a, what was it, an anti-vivisectionist? I remember hearing that as a kid. Not quite sure what it was then, I know now. But uh, he was a bit of a, he was called a crank as well. That's an old term, isn't it, a crank? But in the 50s, as I say, he was sort of way out of, well, way out of his time. He gave me a letter once. He said, look, take this to your, you know, when you're next at school, give it to the dinner ladies behind the, you know, the counter where they serve up your dinner. So I took this letter, I took it home, and I opened it. Because I thought, what, I'm not going to give this to people. I want to know what it says. And it was on about how it's awful to eat meat. You shouldn't be serving children with meat and dairy products. And he's going on and on. Anyway, I threw the letter away. I threw it away. Next time I saw him, he said, did you give that letter? Yeah, I did. I did, Grandpa. I gave it to the dinner ladies. He said, oh, what did they say? I said, I don't know. I don't know, because they didn't open it then and there. They were busy. So I got out of it that way. There are times when you have to lie. I mean, there are, aren't there? You have to lie sometimes. He lived to the ripe old age of 97, so his diet couldn't have done him any harm. You know, I've, I don't know. Because people say, oh, if you don't eat meat and dairy products, you know, you're not getting the vitamins, the minerals and the whatever it is. But uh, yeah, 97 years old and he was always pretty healthy. I know a chap, I haven't seen him for ages. I know a chap, he eats um, burger and chips. That's all he'll have, burger in a bun and chips. And even then he doesn't like the chips too much. So he basically lives on burgers. I don't know how he, how he can do that. You know, no vegetables, no fruit, no salad. Fruit's important, isn't it? We have fruit salad every evening for our, do you call it sweet or pudding? I mean, I call it pudding because I'm common, but some people, we're having a sweet. Well, I thought sweet was in a bag, you know, like a boiled sweet or something. Anyway, for afters, let's call it afters. <laughs> we have fruit salad. We chop up all the stuff, you know, pineapples and apples and we have grapes, or you name it, we chuck it all in a bowl. A bit of evaporated milk. And that's it. That's our afters. I knew another girl back in the 60s. I don't know where all these girls came from. All I ever talk about is girls, isn't it, from the old days? Well, I mean, I suppose I was, I was young, extremely handsome, good-looking, debonair. Well, I suppose that's not strictly true. But this girl, I wanted to take her out for a meal. I said one day, I'd only, only known her, I don't know, a couple of weeks. I said, well, we'll go out for a meal. I thought I'd impress her. Oh, no, 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 she said, I, I'll tell you where we go. I'll decide. All right, OK. I picked her up and we drove into town. She said, right, stop here, park here. And it was a fish and chip shop. She said, there we are, fish and chips. I said, but I thought we were going out for a meal. She said, well, we are. She said, I love eating fish and chips. And... <laughs> Every time I saw her, we had fish and chips. Literally every time. I only saw her, I don't know, two or three times a week. But uh, you know, I'd be going out and my, my mum would say, oh, you're not eating tonight, are you? No, don't want a meal, mum, thanks. Um, I'm having fish and chips. You know, we go into a pub and after the fish and chips, we go to the pub. I wanted to go to the chip shop after the pub because you shouldn't really drink on a full stomach. They say don't drink on an empty stomach. It's best not to drink on a full stomach because that way you don't need quite so many beers to make you feel happy. <laughs> Does food soak up alcohol? I don't... Do you remember milk? People would say, oh, if you're going out drinking, have a pint of milk first. It will line your stomach. I don't know. That's not true, is it? Surely. Like, well, anyway, what do you want your stomach lined for? So we'd have fish and chips. Then we'd go to the pub. And then she wanted to go to the beach. I suppose living near the sea... I mean, I've never been keen on the beach. I prefer the woods... But we, we'd have to go to the beach every day. It was the same routine. I'd pick her up. 
we'd have fish and chips in the car, we'd go to the pub and then we went to the beach. Actually, I've got something to tell you about a girl lived next door to me, but that's not for the... Yeah, did you hear my midweek message last week? Ray's naughty rants. Have you responded? I know a few people have. I just wonder whether you've all responded to that. I've had quite a few people uh, contact me. I'll, I'll say no more than that. But uh, there's this girl. Well, I'll tell you on, on Ray's naughty rants. She lived next door. She was dread. Well, she wasn't dreadful. She was lovely. I've never watched any of these food programs. You know, there's the is it the Bake Off or the Cook Off and is it Ramsay's Kitchen? All this stuff. I mean, decades ago. Do you remember Delia? Delia Smith? All these food programmes. How to cook this, how to cook that. I've never watched any of them. I, th I think they're boring. I think they're very popular as well, from what people have said. They're very popular. But I can't watch programmes about... I don't know. As I said earlier, evening meal. Let's eat the meal and have done with it. You know, we don't want the palaver. We don't want all the trimmings and all the mucking about. Let's just eat the damn thing wash up or stick it all in a dishwasher, job done. We don't want to watch programmes about cooking and programmes about eating. <laughs> it just gets too much, doesn't it? I was in a Chinese restaurant in the 60s and we're all, you know, I think there were four of us, I can't remember. I was with some girl, obviously. <laughs> and the cops came in. Of course, everyone's looking, oh dear, look, careful, here come the cops. And they went up to the counter and we're thinking, what are they, you know, what's, what's going on? Someone's done something. What's happened? Anyway, all they were doing was collecting their Chinese takeaway. I suppose cops have to eat you know, during their shift. But they come in and they, they got a Chinese takeaway. <laughs> of course, back then, well, I think that might have been the 70s, actually, thinking about it. That was probably the 70s. But back in the 60s, every town, well, and the 70s and the 50s, the 40s, every town had a fish and chip shop, if not half a dozen chippies, as they were called, going down the chippy. Because that was the, I don't know, that, that was the thing. That was the takeaway. There was nothing else. Then Chinese and Indian restaurants and takeaways came along, didn't they? That was the new thing. I mean, this happened mainly in London, obviously, at first. You know, not the smaller towns like where I am on the coast. But they started to creep in. Then we had the wimpy bars and, of course, later on, McDonald's, stuff like that. Burger King. You know, it all, it just all blossomed, didn't it? It all grew but back in the 50s and 60s, I remember in the 50s going down the chippy with a sixpenny piece, you know, we called it a tanner. I'd go in there, tanner's worth of chips, please, and you get sixpence worth of chips in newspaper. You know, proper old newspaper that people had read. <laughs> Dirty old newspaper. But it was good, it's proper. You couldn't have fish and chips out of anything other than newspaper. It just didn't taste right. Plus, you had the added advantage while you're eating your fish and chips, you could read the paper. I mean, it was only yesterday's paper. They used to get through so much newspaper. It was only yesterday. It wasn't out of date. So you could read some news article or advert while you're having your fish and chips. But as I say, there were fish and chip shops everywhere, even now. How many have we got in our town? We've got one round the corner, one up the road. Yeah, there's a lot. Even now, there are a lot. Do you remember going to the fun fair when you were a kid? This is UK again. I know got listeners all around the world, um, as I've said before, America. Do you know, I was looking on the statistics thing the other day, on the, the podcast thing. Got more listeners in America than anywhere else. America, uh, UK, India, Australia, New Zealand. Listeners all over the place, but mostly in America. So that's great. 
our friends across the pond. So we used to have fun fairs in the old days, in the 50s and 60s. And it would like the local park or recreation ground, the travelling fun fair would turn up, well, and the circus, I didn't like the circus, but the fun fair would turn up. And even into my teens, 16 years old, 17, you know, go over the fun fair looking for girls. We're back to girls again. What are you going to think? You're going to think this bloke's terrible, he's awful. All he talks about is girls and eating. Well, not eating girls. Well, no, I'm going to dig myself a hole here, aren't I? But we used to go over to the fun fair and they would sell chips and things, you know, and whatever they did, not just candy floss, but they would do burger things and chips. But what we'd do, we'd go over the fun fair, meet a girl and then take her over the chip shop and sit on the wall outside the chip shop eating our fish and chips. And that was the way to pick up girls at the fun fair, offer them fish and chips, because there was always a fish and chip shop nearby, wherever the fun fair was, there's one over the road. So, yeah, that was great. The fun fairs, I tell you what, apart from the girls, my main interest was, well, it was the girls, but my second main interest was the generators. They'd have these big lorries, you wander around the back where you're not meant to go, and there's these huge lorries with diesel generators on and meters reading out volts and amps and stuff. Oh, I love that. I, t- <laughs> I took a girl round the back. I said, come and see this. This is true. You won't believe it. I said, come and have a look at this. And she said, oh, oh, what are you going to show me? And I took her round. I didn't click at the time. I don't know why. I was a bit naive that night, I think. And I went round the back with her. And she said, oh, come on then. Let's have a look. I said, well, there it is. Look at that generator. <laughs> and she walked off. That is true. She walked off. And I thought, oh, Damn, she wasn't expecting to see a generator. She wanted to see something else. Anyway, I'll never forget that night. But it was a fun fair, and we did have fun there. That was funny, though, the way she the way she walked off, mumbling something about, I don't want to see a generator. They were great days, the 50s and 60s. I've often said, haven't I, what's it like for youngsters these days? I mean, they don't have... Do we have fun fair? I think there is a fun fair that comes to our town. It's so different, though. It's all health and safety and you can't do this you can't it's so different now i meant to tell you a couple of episodes ago a couple of weeks ago marion emailed me because i'm always saying what's it like for youngsters these days and marion i've got her email here she's 20 years old now now bear in mind there's been lockdown she's saying that there's nothing to do in the evenings i'm not sure where you are marion uh uk i know that but she says because of lockdown, the last year has been cancelled, basically. But when she was sort of 17, 18, 19, before COVID, she says there was nothing to do. You go into a pub and they're pretty boring. Uh, she says the clubs are boring. She's been listening to my podcast, she says, for over a year now. And she's heard all about the 60s. And, <laughs> and she reckons that they were better days. So, I mean, I've only heard from... Uh, Marion from one youngster one or two others have said oh you know we have fun these days but nothing really to to talk about but Marion has said that she's been listening for a year and she wished that she could experience the 60s because it's boring now this is before lockdown I mean obviously now with lockdown pubs are closed clubs are closed restaurants everywhere everywhere's closed isn't it you know it's awful for youngsters these days what are they supposed to do it must be just terrible. Imagine in the 60s, if this had happened, what, I was a teenager, what would I have done? I was a teenager, what would I have done? Stay at home. There's no school. Well, that would have suited me. I didn't like school. 
But what would I have done? Stay at home. Can't even go over the woods. I suppose we could have gone over the... Well, say we. No, because you're not allowed to play with other kids, are you? If even into your teens, you can't go out with other people. So I don't know what I would have done. Just sit at home. And that must be boring. You know, when I hear how it's affecting people, uh, you know, youngsters, they can't go to school with their friends. They can't go out. They can't do anything. They just stay at home in their bedrooms. I mean, that must be dreadful. Marion did say in her email that she's never listened to anyone before going on so much, going on, I like that, going on so much about the old days, about the 60s. She's obviously heard about the 60s, seen things on telly, you know, we all have. And hearing me banging on about the 60s, she you know, obviously thinking, oh, it must have been fantastic. It was fantastic, Marion, if you're listening. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic days. I really miss those days. I've had emails as well from older people. There was one from, oh, Anne, one from Anne, who was in her 70s. And she said that she's at home alone. This was nothing to do with food. This was just general sort of chat. And she says that she's got no family and she's bored. She says, how many, how many repeats? Um, I've got her email, but I remember this. I read it the other day. She says, how many repeats can I watch on the telly? Because whatever's on, you've seen it before. Oh, look, it's Midsummer Murders. Again. Oh, I've only seen this episode 15 times. Oh, look, it's Poirot. Agatha Christie's Poirot. Oh, that's all right. I've only seen this one six times. And it's true. All these repeats, it's true. And she says that she's just bored, sitting at home. Can't go out, can't do this, can't do anything. Well, let's hope. I mean, we've got the summer months coming, so let's hope that this lockdown thing will come to an end and well even if it doesn't the sunshine helps everyone doesn't it it certainly helps me animals love the sunshine we love the sunshine at least we can get outside I know I've said before if you haven't got a garden if you're in a flat but at least perhaps you can I don't know what go and stand out in the street to get a bit of vitamin d from the sun I think you're allowed to go for a walk aren't you I mean there's been this thing what is local you're allowed to go for a walk locally. Well, what is local? Because I, did I tell you, I, I sent a tweet, a Twitter thing to the cops the other day. And I said, is it all right for me to drive to Pulborough? Now, Pulborough, if you look on, well, you don't look on the map. It's north of me. It's near Washington, north of me from the south coast. I said, can I drive to Pulborough and go for a walk in the woods? Because there's lovely woods up there. And I thought, I'll get... If I get sort of permission or confirmation from the cops, then if I'm stopped up there by any cops, I can say, well, look, look, this is what they sent back. This is what Sussex police sent back to me. And do you know, <laughs> do you know what the cops said? Obviously, to cover themselves, go to whatever it is, .gov something site, and read all about what you can and can't do. What is local? I mean, Boris, bless him. He says, oh, local is, well, like local, you know, it's just local to you. Well, that doesn't answer the question, does it? I don't know why I say bless him, because he doesn't answer the question. So I still don't know. Can I drive to Pulborough or Washington or Arundel? Arundel Castle, there's some lovely wood. There's Swanbourne Lake at Arundel. You can walk right round the lake through the woods. Swanbourne Lake, have a look at that on the map. That's lovely there. But we're not allowed to go there. Well, are we? I don't know. This is the thing. Is that local? How far is Arundel from me? 10 miles? 15? I don't know. I suppose that's not local, is it? But you can't get an answer. This is the trouble. 
So all we do is walk round our local roads, which isn't much fun looking at houses. I'd rather be in the woods. Talking of the 60s, back in the 60s, I knew a... Ah, you thought I was going to say a girl, didn't you? No, wrong. <laughs> back in the 60s, I knew a, a lad. And I used to go over the woods with him. And do you know what he did? He'd pick things to eat. He'd take them home. Wild mushrooms and stuff. And I said, he'd, he'd say, try one of these. No, 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 I don't want to try one. They look like toadstools. He obviously knew what he was doing. Don't try this at home. Well, you can't, can you? Don't try it in the woods. <laughs> you can't pick mushrooms at home. But he would eat all sorts of natural things that were growing in the woods. Uh, is it hawthorn with the red berries? Um, he called them cheese sandwiches or something. You could eat the berries and the, the leaves. You could eat the leaves. And he was always eating stuff in the woods. He'd take stinging nettles home for his mum because she made what stinging or nettle wine or whatever it was. And if we came across elderberries, he's picking all the berries. I, when I was, I think, two years old, my mother told me I tried some berries. I don't know whether they tasted good or not, but they were a deadly nightshade. And apparently I was very ill. It didn't kill me. Well, obviously I wouldn't be here, but it didn't kill me. Yeah, deadly nightshade. Don't try that at home or in the woods. But no, this chap, you know, he was always he used to grow mushrooms at home in the understairs cupboard in the dark. I remember that. He had a, a sort of thing under there where he grew mushrooms. I suppose going back hundreds of years, this is where food came from, you know, from the woods. Uh, grow your own stuff there. I saw a programme on telly the other day about, they said, oh, potatoes were introduced into the UK back in 1500 and something. And they grew peas and they'd, you know, they'd plough a field. It was, um, oh, back at the Victorian farm, was it? Oh, I don't know what it was, with uh, Peter Ginn and Ruth Goodman. Yeah, that woman that keeps laughing. She's brilliant. And I forget the other chap's name, Alex. And they were saying that they'd grow peas and they were showing how they would broadcast the seeds. And it just occurred to me, back in the you know, hundreds of years ago, all these seeds, people must have, gathered them but what if they didn't would the peas grow naturally what i'm saying is these days you can buy a packet of seeds for almost anything can't you carrots peas asparagus whatever you like you can buy seeds all these seeds must have originally come obviously from plants hundreds or thousands of years ago now we didn't have potatoes in this country in the 1500s that's when they were introduced and i forget what you know, i forget where they came from my memory's hopeless. But once potatoes came over from wherever, of course, everyone's growing potatoes. I don't suppose they had chips back then. Imagine chips in the 1500s. I suppose all they did was chuck them on a fire or something. I wonder whether they had mashed potatoes back then. Mashed potatoes and peas. They could have done bubble and squeak. Now that, bubble and squeak, that is a favourite breakfast. Old leftovers. <laughs> Old leftovers from yesterday's dinner. Cabbage, bits of peas, sprout, carrot, potatoes. Chuck it all together, mould it into a kind of thing and fry it. Mould it into a shape and fry it. It must have been amazing when potatoes were introduced. Imagine that. You've never had a potato in your life. You've never seen one. Suddenly, they come over to the country and people are growing them and you try one. Wow, there must have been a time when the first bananas came over from Jamaica or wherever they're grown. Because we don't grow bananas here. Imagine for trying a new fruit. Having said that, there are new fruits that we've had, I think, in my lifetime. 
going back to when I was a child, we didn't have kiwi fruit. I had some the other day, kiwi fruit. That is nice. You know, it's green, isn't it, with kind of black dots in it. But you have to peel them. You can't eat the skin on those. You have to peel them. So, yes, I, I was introduced to, I suppose, to fruits that hadn't been here before. But that's an interesting programme. That Yeah, Victorian farm or whatever. That It was also about the railways. When railways were introduced in the UK, they had thousands, tens of thousands of miles of track. Virtually every village, every nook and cranny in the UK, there was a branch line, a railway line that went there. And they were talking about uh, whiskey from Scotland, scotch. Initially, only people in Scotland drank whiskey because you couldn't get it anywhere else. You, know, you can't take, well, I suppose you could take it on a horse and cart, but not that far. So, of course, once the railway reached Scotland, they were then producing whiskey by the kind of mega gallon, by the tonne, and dumping it all on the trains, and it was going everywhere. The whole country was drinking whiskey. <laughs> that must have been quite a thing. Actually, I don't like whiskey. Some of these programmes about the old days, they're very interesting. Again, the railway, you might get perhaps in Wales where they're making stuff out of sheep's wool, you know, blankets or whatever. They're only selling it locally. Once you've got a branch line into your little village, you know, you're making blankets for all over the UK. And of course, then they're going to the Liverpool docks and London docks and they're going abroad. So one minute you're, you're sort of distilling whiskey for the locals. Next minute you're selling whiskey to people all around the world. And uh, well, that's how it works, isn't it? Trade, of course, that's how it all works. But it is interesting looking back on these programmes to these days, hundreds of years ago, how things came about. That Ruth Goodman, she was on the one I saw the other day. She was going to cook something. And in the middle of this house, she's got a bonfire. She lit a fire. And there's a hole in the roof of the house where the smoke goes. Not a chimney, just a hole in the roof, you know, about sort of 20 feet up in the air. And that was all filmed at uh, the Weald and Downland. Look that. I keep saying look stuff up on the map, don't I? I've been there, Weald and Downland. All original old houses, or they've recreated old houses and stuff, exactly how it would have been hundreds of years ago. Fascinating place to walk round. Do you know, it's not far off lunchtime. I thought I was starved. <laughs> I didn't have my elevenses. I might have some afternoon, what is it? I might have some tea, high tea. Then I'll have dinner. Then I'll have supper. And then I'll probably have fruitcake and a cup of tea in bed later tonight. No, I mustn't do that. I used to eat jam sandwiches in bed. Oh, it's wonderful. Watching something on the telly, 10 o'clock at night, you're just watching a film or something, and a cup of tea and jam sandwiches in bed. <laughs> Crumbs everywhere. Oh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? We know how to live, don't we? Try that. When you go to bed tonight, take a cup of tea with you and have some sandwiches or some cake. That's good. Have some cake. Now, you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? Email me, raise rants, all one word. I say this every time, don't I? Raise rants, all one word, email me. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Love to hear from you. Young and old alike, you know, I love to hear from the youngsters because they ask good questions. What was this like back then? What was that like? And I like to hear from the older people because they say, do you remember this and do you remember that? So it's good fun. Email me and I'll mention you on next uh, the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care as always. Don't forget, cup of tea and jam sandwiches in bed tonight. Take care. Bye-bye for now.